Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. He didn't look like the guy, but now he looks like the guy. You don't stop playing for the last game. So they say it's over with, you don't stop. He sticks to his guns. He sticks to what he knows to do, and it works every time he does it. Somebody that won it all last year, you get in a tight spot, now everybody want to bash him. That ain't fair to me, and I go on the record and say that on NBA. Apparently, people get tired of greatness. <laughs> uh, the dude said, I'm going to knock his head off, and I want to see it roll, roll down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> so why would a lion concern himself with the pink? of sheep. Don't go after them. Check yourself. Check yourself. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are joining us for this, a wonderful edition. And we have a lot of fun stuff coming up for you. But first and foremost, welcome to the first timers. We hope that we become a part of your podcast menu. And we want to invite you to become a part of the community. And there are several ways to do that. You can join the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Facebook group on Facebook, Sports Talk with Devin Wade. You can also follow me on IG and on threads at the Devin Wade and on Twitter at Wade's Word. But here is the deal. You can also call us 24 hours a day at 832-941-6614 with an opinion, a rebuttal, a question, a comment, a request, any of those things. We are available 24 hours a day and you just might end end up on the very next podcast. So you can also go to wagewordproductions.com, get a little background on the website. The website is under constant construction. I think that's a running gag with us that the website is never going to be ready, but it's uh, it's there. So you can check it out, listen to past episodes, and learn a little bit about us. So this episode, we have Michael Bourne coming up to talk about the number one story in the city of Houston in, in baseball, if you ask me. The Houston Astros. Astros going to the ALCS for the seventh consecutive time. We'll talk about that. And we also have a conversation with our guy Reggie Brown from the special teams unit. He is going to give us some insight on his Dolphins and a whole lot more. And because I'm very short on time, but I wanted to get this out, let's jump right into the interviews. No headlines, no Lamar war but let me say this Michael Bourne a former major leaguer is really a wonderful addition we've been able to have a couple conversations and we anticipate visiting with him more great resume MLB resume Google him as they say but here's our conversation with him that happened immediately after the Astros clinched their birth in the ALCS Back again from the special teams unit. I can say that now. Michael Bourne, former major leaguer, former Houston Astro on a momentous night as the Astros clinched their seventh consecutive trip to the American League Championship Series. Wow. What do we just see with the Astros clinching in Minnesota 3-2? to two? You see somebody that's been there before, and you see him do it over and over. That That's where you say experience pays off. You can see it in the last the eighth and the ninth inning. I mean, they just have so many ways to beat you. With a break, you hitting a two-run shot, but then they got put out 14, I think 14 or 15 hours in a row, but the pitching held it down today. So 
it's just so many ways the Astros can can get you. And I'm not gonna lie. I look forward to this Houston versus Texas series. This is going to be one for the books. Yeah, and we're going to get into that. But let's talk about this game tonight because what can you say about Jose Urquidy? One start in, in, since August, so he's not been started because he hadn't been in, in healthy all season long. Talk a little bit about the gutsy performance he had tonight and holding it down. You know, I've talked to a few former big leaguers, and it was always around, like, who would start after Framber? After, after Verlander, of course, and after Javier. Everybody wants to know who that fourth guy was. You had J.P. France, you had Hunter Brown, but it was Jose Arquiti that took the ball tonight that Dusty called on and was amazing. Like you said, he hadn't pitched, and he only had the last, the farthest he could go was 75 pitches since his 100 pitch that he went, you know, a few months ago to where, like, he hadn't really had the time to build up like that, but when that time is called, when your number is called in the playoffs, that shows you, that shows you what kind of team you're on. He took the ball, and his teammates had the confidence behind him. And this was a very big game tonight for me because now you get to set up your rotation against Texas going in. Yeah, so you don't have to to uh, worry about who's going to start if Verlander has had yes. to start game five. So yes, Arkady tonight went five and two-thirds, three hits, two earned runs, two solo shots. And I thought the biggest play in retrospect in the first inning when Julian got the double, he got when Polanco hit uh, that line drive to Pena, and Pena yes. doubled him at second base in what was a, a really, really heads-up and athletic play. I mean, that made the difference because the next batter, Royce Lewis, comes up and homers, making it one to nothing. If Julian is still on base and doesn't get doubled up, then you, now yes. you're looking at a 2-0 deficit before Brantley was able to tie it at the in the top of the second. Well, one thing is that in that situation, Urquidy, once he had the double play ball, I don't think he pitched Royce the same as he would have pitched him with somebody on base. You got to think it would have been one base open on first base. So he'd have been careful because he had already had a, a couple of postseason home runs already. So he's been he's been one of their hot hitters. So to me, you know, he was able to go after him and he left the changeup up. But, you know, he, he didn't have to pitch him with the same kind of awareness as he would with somebody on base and somebody in scoring position with a base open. So he was a little bit more aggressive, a little bit, a little bit more like, okay, I can lead this ball up a little bit more just because there's nobody on it. I always think this, I have to say, I always think that most of the time, not all the time, but in most situations, I'm not really worried about solo shots. I'm not, I don't really care about it's the three run home runs that hurt you in the playoffs. Those are the ones that are desert that are devastating. Those are the ones that get the crowd into it and get get you like in a bind, you know. As I mean, I know we're not talking about that game as we've seen with the Braves and Phillies tonight when Hart Har- hit the three run home run. That put a big stint in the game. So with the Astros just giving up two solo shots, that really doesn't bother me like that. Yeah, were you concerned at all? Obviously, the offense outside of of Brantley and Abreu, who Abreu all of a sudden is starting to be worth the big contract that, you know, he wasn't worth seemingly during the early part of the year. He he really kind of struggled, especially early. He got a little hot late in the season. And in the postseason, he's been incredible. Talk a little bit about Abreu. Well, I loved it. You know, like that's, that's, this, this is what you get paid for right here, really. The thing about the Astros offense, man, you have so many people that can take over. You know, like you said, Abreu has been been monstrous. So is Alvarez. So next series, it might be Altuve and Tucker. Who knows? We don't know who it'll be. It might be Brantley. Brantley hit a home run tonight. So you have so many people in that lineup. Pena was just the MVP of the World Series last year. So you just have so many people that can take over a game. That's what makes this lineup so dangerous. You don't know 
who it's going to be. Brantman can take over a game. So that's the thing about that lineup that's so potent to me. And they don't they don't mind passing the baton to the next person. They'll take their walk and, you know, let, let the next person take the, do the damage. So that's the thing about them. But tonight, it was playoff baseball. It was the pitching that won, which they have that too. So, <laughs> hey, man, this team, this team is dangerous. They, like, I heard Derek Jeter say it on the, on the, on the, uh, on the air just now. They've been there before. And that's showing you seven times they've been to the ALCS. ALCS. Seven. Seven. That is a lot of times, man. Seven. That, that, that's impressive. That is very, very impressive. It's been an incredible run, and I, I just, again, I, I caution folks in the, that are Houston fans, that are Houston natives, not to take this for granted because <laughs> it's so hard to do. You get one injury, one bad outing. I mean, this could have went a whole different way. And like you said, you lose tonight. All bets are off for game five. I mean, obviously you feel good with Verlander being the guy, but anything can happen in game five. Now let me ask you about the Astros struggling at home this season, Losing record at home, which is unbelievable to win the division with a losing record at home. Talk a little bit about what you've seen as the reasons potentially uh, why they have these struggles at home. I don't really have a reason because I've covered a lot of games at home. I've, I've been on TV a lot of times and I've sat there and watched the games. I don't have one reason why they do. Like baseball is a crazy sport sometimes, man. And as you see, they went on the road and won too. Like I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't have a like I could point my finger to it, like, oh, this is why they struggle at home—the pitching or the offense. Because it's been both, you know, at times. So I don't really have a real reason why they're struggling at home. I don't think they—they they even know. When you have a team like this, they don't pay attention to stuff like that over time. They know what's at stake. Okay, they struggle at home, but they know they can also turn it on at any given time. As we've seen tonight, everybody was worried about the pitcher coming into the playoffs, right? Well, tonight the pitcher won. So. It's, it's just one of those things. You know, I've heard people talk about Presley as a closer. Should he be the closer? Yes. Yes, but you can't you can't change that this late in the season. He showed you tonight. Went out there and went one, two, three. Abreu, one, two, three. Presley, one, two, three. And shut the game down. Just that simple. Let's talk a little bit about Ryan Presley, who uh, down the stretch had a, a blown save, and I forget which series it was, but he, it was a really costly loss prior to Arizona. But uh, talk a little bit about his postseason performance. What, 16 outings, uh, consecutive outings without giving up a run, some some number like that. Unbelievable postseason pitcher. Talk a little, about, a little bit about his elevation in the postseason. Well, what I like about him is that he never wavers. You know, people can talk about him. He can blow a save, but you can count on him to want the ball back again. And to me, that's what makes a closer. It's not the stuff all the time. It's the person that has that demeanor that knows knows how to close a game. Same thing with, I mean, he's not, I can't compare him to him, of course, but like just like a Jordan that closes the game in basketball. You want that ball in his hand. I promise you, every Astro over there, they want the ball in Presley's hand at the end of the game because they know. He's came through over and over. Yes, every closer that had a blown save. I don't care which one you you want to talk to, but guess what? Those ones that can bounce back the way Presley does, they want the ball in his hand. Well, let's talk a little bit about the setup guy, Brian Abreu. Again, he's on a run this season. He's been balling out too. Talk a little bit about what he gives you and what he's what you're able to do when you have a guy like him to sort of set up Presley to close it out. I, I love Brian Abreu. Now, he has that devastating slider, and also he, he runs up that 98-99 as well. But I just think that devastating slider is what makes him, you know, even to lefties. Lefties don't even swing at it good. And that's when you know it's a devastating slider because I watched it today, and 
you know, they just they just couldn't get a good swing on it. You know, they can't see it as well. And for a lefty not to be able to see a slider coming into him that well, that tells you. Now, he left a couple of them up to lefties, but they still couldn't. They just didn't track it well. But he, he's been amazing. The run that he's on is how many consecutive innings he's shut out people. I think it's since, like, July or something. I mean, Buster didn't play in the game since, like, August 7th. Brian Abreu is longer than Brunson has played in a game. So it's just it's just one of those things where he's he's been amazing and you can count on him as well. And that's just that back end of that bullpen that's that's been dominant for a long time. And you know, like I said, like I said, I man, the Astros have so many ways that they can come at you. And you don't know which way that's gonna come in, in any particular game. Now they have a tough come, they have a tough, a tough opponent coming up, and everybody's wanting to see this matchup. This is what sports is about. Yeah, no question, and I want to get to that in just a second. But I do want to talk a little bit about Neris and, and more specifically the pitch clock violation, which, by the way, and this is just an aside, I think the Fox should be showing the pitch clock to the fans. We don't see the, – the audience doesn't see the pitch clock. I know some yes. broadcasts show the pitch clock, others don't. I think especially in the postseason, they should really show the pitch clock. But Neris had a, a violation, but I want to go back to – the pitch clock for the entire season? Because I will say that I was wrong. I thought it would be much more disruptive. But you watch the game on a different level as a former major leaguer. What pitchers or what, can you see where certain pitchers have struggled a little bit with the adjustment, maybe having to pick up the pace and, and made themselves a little bit uncomfortable or less effective? Have you seen that throughout the season? I've, I've, I have, and uh, I think even one pitcher that I could say that he's not in this series, but Alex Manoa, you know, he was a Cy Young winner last year. I think that pitch clock affects it. Some people are going to take adjustment to to do that too, but, you know, great great athletes know how to make adjustments. So he, he'll hopefully make that adjustment and bounce back. I know he's not a person that's in this series, but he's one that I just wanted to point out because he was a runner-up for the Cy Young last year, and, you know, he's not the smallest dude, but hopefully he gets to bounce back. And I just think that pitch clock, kind of might have had something to do with that because some people need time to think but you don't have that time with that pitch clock and i also think the biggest adjustment i think is for the pitchers when runners are on to me because they get so locked in on throwing the ball to the plate that sometimes they forget to even pick over and that's why you see the stolen base percentages went up so much i think trey turner was like 30 for 30 in the, in the season and i think uh uh the kid carol from from arizona was like 54 for 59 like that's a unpre- you know that that's unprecedented territory to me for how good the the stolen base percentage. But you only can pick over two times, and you got only can pick over two times, and you got a pitch clock on you. So that pitcher gets locked in. And I actually had this conversation yesterday, actually with Bo Porter. We was talking about that, and some of the pitchers just they just get locked in on that target, so that runner is just able to run off and and just go. So it's adjustment for the pitchers, you know. It's adjustment for the hitters too as well. People might not realize it because hitters have a certain uh, routine that they do when they get in the box and get out the box, but they can't do that anymore. So everybody had to make the adjustment. I think it's been good for the game. The players have made the adjustment. It hasn't been a lot of complaining, so I think we'll keep seeing it forward, uh, going forward. Uh, for two things. <laughs> how many stolen bases would you have with a bigger base? <laughs> I mean, because that's what one of, that was your calling card in, in many ways. How many yes, stolen man. bases would you have these days with the rules being what they are? Um, and I, I would have to say at least at least eighty. You know, it's just, it's just it's just you know some of the stuff I see and I'm just watching. Like man, these they don't they they can't pick over. They can't pick over. So not too many times. And then pitchers are, are they, they they get on their routine. And once that once that pitch clock gets under five seconds, you rarely see a pitcher come over. So if I know that as a base stealer, 
I'm, I'm going to take full advantage of that. I, I just am. I am. Were you surprised to see them make that call against Nairs? And do you look for a little bit more leniency as we get to the championship series and the World Series? Because you do not want a game affected by a pitch clock when it comes to the ALCS or the NLCS or the World Series. You just – that would be devastating to the game, I think. Do you see them being a little bit lenient with that? I really don't because the rules are the rules. You know, I don't really see them being lenient. They called it on them today. I don't see them changing now because they made the rules before the playoffs happened. So if they were going to do that, they would have already did it before, if you ask me. I just think that you have to be aware of it. They've been doing it the whole season. So it's not like they have it to get used to it as the playoffs go on. They've been dealing with this the whole season. So it's it's one of those things where – Hey, not even on not even on just him. It could happen to a hitter. You know, it could be a strike called on the hitter, and that could that could change the playoffs too. So change the the, uh, the meaning of the game. But one thing I do think that they need to do, and this is one thing I, I feel like is everything needs to be reviewed. That's one thing I feel like they can make an adjustment on because there's certain calls that don't get reviewed and like that foul tip last game. Yeah, right? like yeah. the foul tip. They could have been big. Are, yeah, it could have been it big. Could have been big. Yeah. You know, you don't know, but it it happened not to be. But you don't want that to me, to be something that is detrimental to the game, right? So you, you, I think they need to review everything. I think we need, really need to think about moving to that because in these situations, just like you said, you don't want the pitch clock violation, but you sure don't want to foul somebody that fouled tip and struck out. They should be out. You know, like it should be, that shouldn't have to happen. Right. So let's look forward to the Texas series. Let's talk about the bad blood first, because I'm a native Houstonian. You're a native Houstonian. And I don't know if you like me, but I hate everything Dallas. Anything north of Huntsville, <laughs> I got a problem with. I'm, I ain't a Cowboys fan. I, I was an Oilers fan. Now, you know, anything Houston, I don't deal with the Metroplex. And this series is along those lines. I think for the first time, Dallas hates us back. Talk a little bit about the bad blood between these two teams. Well, that's what makes it, that's what makes it a, a must-see TV. That's what makes it must-see TV. They don't like each other. Uh, you know, they had a riffraff early in the, in the game with Simeon and Maldonado got into it. And I think the pitch is clear. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things that makes it even more exciting. You got two Hall of Fame managers and Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy going at it with each other. Old school managers at that. This is not new school. This is old school. Both of them have a World Series banner in front in, 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 on them. Dusty got one. I think Bochy got three. But right now, you know, this is this is an unbelievable matchup just for baseball, not just for Houston versus Dallas, just for baseball. This is what everybody wanted to see because of the noise that's been talked, everything, you know, how they how the Astros came back and won the division at the last game of the year and the Rangers had to fight back and do what they had to do. They talked noise about the Rangers because they said they parted too much the day before. Well, they got a chip on their shoulder. The Astros still want to show that they're the king of the hill. It's a lot of things going on. Now, I'm not going to lie. I don't hate everything Dallas. You know, when I was a little boy, I used to like the Cowboys. I like the Oilers, too. But I'll tell you one thing. Right now, one thing about it, I don't hate Dallas, but I'm all the way H-Town, baby. That's one <laughs> thing about me. <laughs> I'm all the way H-Town. Ain't no doubt about that. So let's talk a little bit about, I mean, obviously, this is one of the better offensive teams. You talk about Corey Seager, uh, Marcus Simeon. These guys, Adolis uh, 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 Garcia. I mean, these guys, they have some guys that can wreck. Talk a little bit about their offense uh, for the, the Texas Rangers. Well, they, yeah, they, they, they flat out got guys that can wreck. And I always like Corey Seager ever since he came up. Uh, we played against each other a few times. I've been a fan of his for a long time. I mean, the, the, the kid can flat out play. And I'm not going to lie to you, he plays very big in big games. So 
think he had he has a World Series uh, MVP on this belt. So he, you have to really be accountable for him. But I like the Astros' experience. All right, the Rangers of the squad has never been here before. It's different in the regular season, even though the Astros won a regular season matchup and took the lead of that. But the playoffs is totally different. You know, it's just a different energy in there, different volume of playing. Um, it's just everything is on the line, and the Astros have been here. Like they just said, they made it seven times. So that's more than enough experience. So I just think that, I mean, I just give the Astros the edge in this in this, in this this game, in this series. I mean, it'll be a good one, but I got the Astros in this series. You got Evaldi. I, I mean, that's, the, that's, that's a remarkable job. But talk a little bit about the rest of that staff. Max Scherzer is probably not going to pitch in this series. I, I hadn't heard him exactly ruled out, but I don't think he'll be available. But talk a little bit about the starting rotation for Texas, uh, you know, what you know or what you can tell us about them. Well, I like their starting rotation, but I feel like they, you know, against Baltimore, you got to think that's a young team. You know, when you're a young team, you get overly aggressive. Uh, you try to make up for things you messed up on. The Astros are not like that. They face a different lineup when it comes to the Astros. These, they will test you. The Astros are past the baton, like I said. They will hit for power. They will run. They will do different things to beat you. Baltimore, as a squad, has really never been in that situation or been behind with their backs against the wall like that and know what to do. And you can see it. You know, you can see it. But that's that's just growth from Baltimore. Salute to them for that season that they had. because They had an unbelievable season, was able to win the AL East. But to me, the Astros are just a different team. It's just it's just a different team. And I think that starting rotation is good. I like that starting rotation. I think their bullpen is okay too. But I just I just like the Astros a little bit better. I'm it's only a couple of people that I that I know in their starting rotation great, but I, I really just like the Astros in this in this series. But I think that I think the Rangers can put up a challenge because their offense have been so hot. But I what I love about it is that the Astros are able to close it out tonight. Now you get to set your rotation how you want it. So let me go with some quick hitters real quick as we wind this thing down. And you just tell me, Rangers or Astros, better starting rotation? Astros. Better power? Astros. Better relief pitching? Rangers. Tied. (laughs) Better bench? Astros. Better manager? Astros. Uh, <laughs> look, look, I, I, I'm biased because I like Dusty, but I have to give, I have to put a tie on it. Bro, Bruce Boat, you got to give him his credit. He got three, he got three World Series, so I got to go tie. Tell me your thoughts on the job that Dusty Baker has done this season. He's done an unbelievable job. See, so this is what I mean by you got to think the Astros were not healthy until they now <laughs> they, they were never healthy until now, and they won a division pretty much. You know, like that's like. You didn't have two or three of your starting pitchers. You were missing McCullers. You were missing Garcia. You didn't have Verlander for three three quarters of the year almost. Arkady, uh, you didn't have until late. Yeah, exactly. Arkady. Then you got you got Gordon that was out for a long time. Altuve was out for a long time. So you got people. Brantley was out the whole most the whole year. So and Abreu wasn't performing like they thought he would. So you got all type of things going on, and you still find a way. I don't see how he doesn't win manager of the year. That That's how I look at it. I don't understand how you don't win manager of the year with what happened, with what you were dealing with after coming off the win in the World Series. So everybody's giving you their best shot and you still find a way to win a division. So to me, when you're talking about somebody doing a remarkable job, I don't think you can do a better job than that. 
So there you have it. We are looking forward to this one. It's going to be a great series, and we also look forward to visiting with you again throughout. Uh, before we go quickly, uh, on the other side, on the, the National League side of things, things are getting kind of crazy. It looks like the Atlanta Braves, they're in trouble. Oh. The Dodgers are in trouble as we speak. Uh, the Dodgers are playing now. But, uh, man, what do you think about the National League? I am very surprised, you know, but it's – you know, the Phillies, I know they match up good with the Braves. You know, they, you know it's an old saying like in fights, you know, styles make fights. Well, you know, every, in sports is matchups. The, match, the Phillies match up very good with the Braves. You know, they, they have that one-two punch and Wheeler and Nola at the front of their rotation. And Suarez coming in at number three. And with the, Ast- with the, with the Braves, starters kind of being banged up, you know, you do have Freed and you do have Strider, but more than this, they're number three. And they couldn't find somebody today. Pretty much they had to just piece it together. They – Remember, they, they didn't announce they started too late because they had to talk about it as a as a club, but they didn't know who they really wanted to go to in this show today. You know, the Phillies took full advantage of it, and the Phillies, the Phillies got them in a chokehold right now. They they backs against the wall now. They do have a they do have they one and two going with Strider and and uh, Free going for game four and game five. But I mean, you know that the Braves the Braves lineup has not gotten gotten going. They haven't they haven't really produced. Uh, like they know they can, except for get the game where they came back. And they did that all against the bullpen, basically. What about just, the Dodgers? Because the Dodgers, ooh. I mean, Kershaw, I think the way he was just obliterated the, yeah. his and his opener in that series opener, it's just, I mean, what is going on with the Dodgers? Well, uh, same thing with them. They, you got to think, all they stars are hurt, too. Bueller, Gosselin, you know, those are really, Kershaw's really not the number one, number one. And rightfully so. Man, he, he's been pitching for 15, 16 years. This, it's hard to hold that up for that long, you know. So there's nothing, no knock against him. He's just not that number one anymore. Gosling or probably uh, Bueller, if they were healthy all the way, would be their number one and number two. But they just have they banged up too. And I, I've always thought I like their offense, but I don't think they have a lot of depth in their offense. You know, you got Mookie, of course, and Freddie at the top of that lineup, and Will Smith. But you got JD Martinez, but he was out for a little while, and you got Haywood that can do some damage too. But they don't have that. They don't have that Astros lineup. Or that Braves lineup that that we've seen throughout the year. That to me, that's just like a dominant lineup to me. I don't. I mean, I, I give them kudos to winning the division because I don't. They don't have that depth in their lineup to me that they normally have had throughout the year. Like Muncy, he's a good he's a good power hitter, but he's not just a pure hitter for you. He can hit he can hit the baseball for sure. He's a big leaguer, but to me, they just have holes in their lineup where you know I don't see that. I don't see them as a World Series team. That's just me. So give me your World Series prediction. Well, uh, Astros, Rangers, who's going? I, I got it. You know I'm going Astros. So you and, know I'm going Astros. And, and with few, a few more teams in it, still in it as we speak, who's going to represent the National League in the World Series? I know it's a long shot, but I'm going to still say the Braves. I'm going to still ride with the Braves. I'm going to still go with them. They, I know they're down in a the hole. They haven't been playing well. But from what I've seen throughout, throughout the year with them, I just think they'll show up tomorrow, and I think they'll show up for Game Five. If they win the game, Game Four tomorrow. I mean, I just, I was just very impressed with them throughout the whole year. They, they were the most complete team to me, but they just a little banged up, man. Like it's all about timing. They banged up on the pitcher side, and whenever you banged up on the pitcher side, that's where it gets hard for you. To me, that's where that's where the struggle comes in. Well, we certainly appreciate your time, man, and looking forward to it. And, man, love your insight and your energy because, uh, man, it is an exciting time in the city of Houston. And for Astro fans all over the world, this is the time to shine. This is, man, this is wonderful. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, it is. I mean, let's let's get this series going and let's see what happens. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. 
Yes, sir. For past episodes or more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. One thing, Michael Bourne, for that conversation and look forward to talking to him throughout the playoffs. Let's go, Astros. I wanted to offer more of my insights, but as I said, I'm up against the deadline because I got to go to Florida because the Texas Southern Tigers are taking on Bethune-Cookman. And coming off a homecoming win is huge for TSU. Let's see. This West in the Swags Western Division is going to be wide open. You don't have a just a dominant team like that. Saw Southern lose to FAMU. I certainly had thoughts on Twitter about that. Uh, but, of course, Texas Southern looking to turn things around in conference. And Bethune-Cookman is a great place to start. So that is why I'm rushing. Going to take a brief time out. Come back with more with Reggie Brown. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. Cobank Homes, Keller Williams. DJ Anarchy doing his thing. He comes to us frequently. But if you have music you want heard on the episode, if you're a rapper, a DJ, an artist of any kind, the genre doesn't matter, just email us, music at wayswordproductions.com, music at wayswordproductions.com. If you want your music exposed to the thousands and thousands of people who listen to this podcast every time out, just email us and you might just get on the very next podcast. In keeping with the fast pace of this episode, because I'm up against the deadline, I got to catch a flight. Let's get right into our conversation with former Houston Oilers, former NFL wide receiver, our guy from the special teams unit, Reggie Brown. Here with I got Reggie Brown. And before we get into the NFL stuff, briefly, I want you to hop aboard the Astros bandwagon again and talk a little bit about what happened last night with the Astros and the AL Championship Series coming up. That intense Houston-Dallas rivalry kicks in. What are your thoughts? 
Well, one, uh, shout out to the Astros for the home team, even though I don't cut for the Astros. Uh, I'm having to hear it here in Houston. Um, but all I keep saying is get your 27 championships, then you can talk to me by baseball. But it is an exciting time to be an Astro. I mean, you think about seven years in a row, man, they've made it to this point, which is absolutely amazing. And then, you know, is it a rivalry with Texas or is this the start of a rivalry? It's going to be great to see you know, the I-45 corridor and uh, this whole series. So I'm certainly looking forward to it. Well, I think for folks who followed it this season, you knew it was a rivalry. It was a lot of trash talk. It was a little dust up, a little bench clearing. So I think yeah. the the yeah. rivalry is more Houston-Dallas, if you ask me. And, yeah. and like when the Yankees travel and Steelers and some certain other teams, the Cowboys, when the Astros travel to Arlington, I'm telling you, it is a 50-50 ballpark. I, I wonder how it'll be when the Astros go to the Rangers. But but the Astro fans took over during the regular season. At least they were really, really loud and boisterous. So it'll be interesting to see. Because, look, the Dallas fans don't have the Cowboys to root for these days. Well, you better get over. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I was thinking the same thing. I really think it's in Arlington, right? I really think it's going to be electric there. Um, that atmosphere. I mean, when is the last time Texas been to the playoffs? And, uh, you know, it's just going to be electric. I'm looking forward to a great, great series. Well, we talked about the Metroplex. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Now, a lot of people are really just bashing Dak Prescott. Is it all his fault, mostly his fault, some of his fault? What do you see as a former NFL receiver when you look at that Cowboys offense? Well, ultimately, right or wrong, it's the quarterback. I mean, when you get paid that amount, amount of money, you're expected to win. I do say that, you know, they've made some very bad decisions letting Amari Cooper go, maybe not keeping Zeke and having a little more oomph in the backfield. And then, you know, changing coordinators certainly has not helped the cause. And so ultimately it is on stack and you just have to come to the conclusion that I'm not sure if he can get it done. Well, but, okay, let's be fair a little bit. And, and not that I'm coming to his defense, but clearly from start to finish, the 49ers are a better organization or a better team, a better team right now, and really a better organization. But right now, for sure, they're clearly head and shoulders above them on the field. Does that do something for you when you're facing a better team? Well, I think that if you had not lost to the Cardinals, then you could say, all right, but when you lose to the Cardinals and then you come and, and perform like that against San Fran, I mean, there's no no foul in losing to the 49ers. It's the way that they lost. I mean, they were totally and summarily dominated the same way the Dolphins were with the Bills. I mean, my Dolphins got summarily dominated with when we played the Bills and it almost made it seem like that 70-point massacre in Miami with Denver didn't even happen because the Bills beat us so handily. So, you know, you, you got to play better against a team like San Francisco. Well, clearly, I think that San Francisco is probably the best team 
in the NFL right now. I mean, clearly. Because Kansas City, for all that they're doing, they've, they've not looked like Super Bowl champs yet. And they have some holes and some things that they have to figure out offensively. I mean, you say that, but, I mean, you got to put it in perspective. From the AFC, you got a lot more competition when you talk about the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins. There's some competition in the AFC well, that you don't I, I would. I would differ a little bit. I thought that the AFC would be extremely difficult this year, but because of injuries and things like that, you know, I think of Miami, Kansas City, and the Bills and everybody else after that. I don't, you know, there's nobody in the, the Texans division that scares you. There's nobody. Pittsburgh doesn't scare you. Cleveland doesn't scare you. Baltimore doesn't scare you. So I think that the NFC has gotten a little bit closer. I mean, you talk about Philadelphia. You look what Seattle is doing, certainly uh, San Francisco. So I think there's a lot closer parity between the AFC and the NFC now than what we thought at the beginning of the season. Well, and what I was alluding to is the path to the Super Bowl it's a one team, wait, one and a half team race, I would say at this point, in the NFC. Because you still, I mean, think about this. I agree this. with that. Yeah, because it's that. Philadelphia and San Francisco. It's, I mean, and now Dallas is sort of a race from that discussion. Anybody else is not even in the discussion. Well, so, Detroit, you got to forget. I mean, you're going to just. Really? Detroit, well, are we doing that? Really? <laughs> I, I'm just saying, bro. <laughs> Oh, really? Jared Goff? I mean, I know he's with the one Super Bowl. Uh, are, are we really saying that yet? Amen. <laughs> All right. You're an early believer. Look, we're going to keep hey, the tape on hey, this hey, one. Hey, I, I'm just saying that they got a coach that players want to play for, that offense is proficient, and if that defense continues to come along, they're going to be tough to deal with. You know how it is, man. It only take one Sunday, man. That's all. Yeah, but they're going to have to put a, two or three to get to the Super Bowl. So we're going to keep the tape on this one. So if Detroit pans out, we'll say you told us first. <laughs> hey, they, they got to do it for Barry, man. Do it for Barry? What about what about for, for Andre Ware and for Rodney Pete? Oh, my God. <laughs> and so many other guys. What about oh, uh, Billy Sims? Let, let me, for yeah, real? There's a lot of people to do it for. But, uh, so, Herman Moore, et cetera. Yeah, et cetera. man, so many guys. Let's talk a little bit about your Dolphins, the Dolphins. I mean, they set back, come back. I mean, what do you what do you say about uh, the Dolphins and the addition of Claypool? I think that you just take a flyer on Claypool. I mean, he's an amazing talent. You know, 6'4". Cheetah said today he looked like a vending machine. The kid is just huge. And um, putting him in that Miami culture that Mike McDaniel has brought, to, brought down there, um, maybe he can resurrect his career. Yeah, it's been a tough week, though, losing – a chain man who has been just a phenomenal talent from Houston took the league by storm and then you know to hurt his knee like that fortunately you know they don't think it's that serious maybe three to four weeks he'll be out but uh we're good to go man we we the defense you know certainly we don't count it but we got a little get back against the Giants and we get another week against the Panthers I'll be at that game you know we should handily beat them 50 to nothing come Sunday in Miami. So let's talk about another team in the AFC East. 
Is it? And I was gonna do hero or zero. We ran out of time on, on doing the segments, but can Bill Belichick resurrect the New England Patriots? <laughs> really, is he a hero or a zero? On in that from that standpoint, not for what he's done, but the possibility of being able to resurrect the New England Patriots in the, the foreseeable future. Man, you 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 hate to see a Bill Belichick team look like that. I mean, you you think about it this way. Last year they were one bad call away from going back to the playoff with a with a subpar team. And this year it's just falling apart. Clearly, um, Mac Jones is not the answer at quarterback. But uh, saying that, they just haven't put invested any resources into the offensive side of the ball. They live and die by defense, and that's finally caught up. He ain't got Brady, and that's just the bottom line. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it, I wonder, I think from a personnel standpoint, which he has a, a ultimate input on one, I think that's what has gotten him. And that, that's what gets a lot of coaches when you start talking about personnel. And I think for the longest we thought, probably because of Brady's prowess, that you could get anybody and they would still win with a, on a Bill Belichick team. You talk about the talent level at certain positions. They haven't been the most talented team a lot of those years that they went and won the Super Bowl. So it'll be interesting to see. Let's talk a little bit about the Texans. You said that was sort of a toss-up game. It was. And while C.J. Stroud and the gang did their part, defense couldn't keep the Atlanta Falcons off the board on the final drive. And they got it done. Any observations about what you saw from the Texans Sunday? Well, I think they are a young team that's trying to figure it out. You're going to have weeks where, you know, they they haven't figured it out. I would have thought the defense, I mean, you you can't necessarily blame it on the defense. I mean, they gave up 19, was it 19 points? Yeah. So, I mean, you lose it, you, you give up only 19 points, you should win a football game, particularly in a league where, the offense gets all of the breaks, all of the calls, all of the rules are geared towards scoring points. So when the defense holds a team to 19 points, you should win the game. But this is just a growing phase. Texans fans should really, really be excited about what they got going on. So let's talk a little bit about college football. And and I want to talk a little bit about you talk about defenses not getting it done at the end of the game. Texas OU. I don't know how much of that you saw. Well, but I'm going to tell you this. The Longhorns lost, but Texas football is back because they had some guys out there that will definitely play on Sundays. They were balling out. And, again, it was a controversial decision down the stretch in that game. Um, What were your thoughts on OU Texas? Again, a heck of a football game. I mean, back and forth, athletes on both sides of the field and on offense and defense on both teams. I I, I would say it's probably about six or seven guys going to play on Sunday on each of those teams. And uh, for me, Texas just at, over the last four, five, or six years just haven't been able to win that marquee game that says they're back. They really remind me of the University of Miami in the same way of you start the year off good and then you get a marquee matchup and you're in it and then you lose it and then the questions come again. Well, we saw what happened with Miami. I mean, is that excusable at all? Is that almost a fireball offense with Cristobal did at Miami? Dude, 
Man, I'm su- I'm surprised my phone still worked, man. When when he fumbled that ball, man, I threw it right at. I, I had my phone in my hand, and luckily I threw it on the bed, man, because that was horrible, egregious, and it, it may not be a fireable offense, but it's certainly an offense where you got to go talk to the president. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be on the highlight <laughs> reel when you get fired, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no matter what he does, yeah, it's on the yeah. highlight reel of uh, fireable, uh, you know, sort of yeah. infractions. So, uh, yeah. anything else stand out to you as we sort of wind this thing down? Swag, Alabama State, they got to win. Can they? Keep it going. I mean, obviously they had the defense to do it. What do you see moving forward for the Hornets? Well, we got to get the quarterback situation squared away. It's never good when you're playing two quarterbacks and, you know, one quarterback gets a series and another, the other quarterbacks get two series and then one gets another series and that kind of thing. It's never good. So we'll be good if we can just find a quarterback to take control of the offense and and with our defense being loaded um we'll be fine but until we you know sell in on the quarterback it's gonna be tough well hey we certainly appreciate it and we look forward to catching up with you real soon and uh we'll be keeping an eye out on the astros and some nba stuff and some nfl stuff and some college stuff so man you have your work cut out for you i have my work cut out for me as we choose what we are going to talk about over the next few weeks Hey, man, it's a lot going on. I did want to ask you about that kid in San Antonio, Victor. Wimbenyama. Um, yeah. What What do you think about him? Well, I mean, again, physically, we'll see. I mean, obviously, super talented and maybe the future. I mean, I think uh, the, the kid from uh, Oklahoma City, Chet, is going to be one to watch because he missed the whole year. And, but he looks bigger and stronger. I think Wimbenyama is going to have to take uh, his lumps. But, boy, I think, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be nice in a couple of years. But you just have to develop your body. You're just not – you're playing against grown men, and people think it's just basketball. But you there's a level of physicality. And I think, you know, Kevin Durant, his appearance – is deceptive when you think about how he's long and, and lean, but he's muscular and strong and physical. And I think Wimbanyama has to develop that same sort of thing where his physique may not ever look, he won't look like a football player. He may not, not look buff, but he'll be stronger and has have that grown man strength. He's still got that little boy strength. And at some point you develop that grown man strength. And that's when you start, you will start to see guys this young start to excel. I, I think. The other thing, like you, you bring up a great point about Kevin Durant. He had a little hood in too, so that kind of helped him out. That that hood in him to back people up off of him. So hopefully Victor can mature, his body can mature, because he's an exceptional, exceptional talent, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play for many years. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, situation here in Houston uh, with Ume Udoka and Dylan Brooks, who's already making news for the wrong reasons, Kevin Porter Jr. Mm. making headlines mm. for the wrong reasons. It's uh yeah it's, it's a, a little bit of a a rocky start but we'll I I really believe that uh, that'll be interesting to look at throughout the season so so it should be a fun season I want to see what the Chris Paul situation looks like in Golden State what does that do for you does it give you what you need I don't know because they had some problems in the front court 
I don't know if that gives you what you need. It definitely gives you depth on coming off the bench or when, you know, you need another veteran Hall of Fame caliber guy to, to lean on. What's your thought on, or thoughts on Golden State? Well, when you talk about Chris, I mean, he's a proven commodity in the NBA. But, man, Father Time just have a way of catching up with you, man. And the Golden State take a flyer on him. I think he'll play some good minutes for him. I don't know how much he will decide their fate, though. I, I just – Yeah, well, I, I I just, yeah. So, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot of basketball, uh, sure. especially on the other side of the, the new year. But, yeah, looking forward to it, and, and we'll catch up with you real soon. Hey, man, fourth and one. Send out the special teams, bro. Oh, no doubt. Every time. <laughs> to have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Enjoy, Reggie, as always, and about to wrap this one up. But before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to thank Reggie, want to thank Michael Bourne, want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, want to thank Cobank Holmes, want to thank you guys, and want to encourage you guys, please give us a call, 832-941-6614, hours a day. I know my swag people have comments. I know my Astros folks have comments. I know my Texans folks have comments. Folks from all over the country, Steeler fans, we got a lot of those. We have a lot of fans of everybody. Call us, leave us a message, and you might end up on the very next podcast join the sports talk with Devin wade group on facebook and of course we post poll questions there from time to time go to wadeswordproductions.com you can do that and check us out the under construction website and of course on threads and ig at the Devin wade and on twitter at wade's word and if you can't remember any of those things please remember these four things Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.